This morning we invite you to the book of Acts, chapter 20. The book of Acts, chapter 20. We're going to begin reading with verse number 17, and we'll be reading down to the end of the chapter. Acts, chapter 20, beginning with verse number 17. And from Miletus he sent to Ephesus and called the elders of the church. And when they were come to him, he said unto him, You know from the first day that I came into Asia after what manner I have been with you at all seasons, serving the Lord with all humility of mind and with many tears and temptations which befell me by the lying in wait of the Jews. And how I kept back nothing that was profitable unto you, but ye have showed you, but have showed you, and have taught you publicly, and from house to house, testing fine both to the Jews and also to the Greeks, repentance towards God and faith towards our Lord Jesus Christ. And now, behold, I go bound in the Spirit unto Jerusalem, not knowing the things that shall befall me there, save that the Holy Ghost witnesseth in every city, saying that bonds and afflictions abide me. But none of these things move me, neither count I my life dear unto myself, so that I might finish my course with joy and the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God. And now, behold, I know that ye all among whom I have gone preaching the kingdom of God shall see my face no more. Wherefore, I take you to record this day that I am pure from the blood of all men, for I have not shunned to declare unto you all the counsel of God. Take heed therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock over the which the Holy Ghost has made you overseers to feed the church of God which he has purchased with his own blood. For I know this, that after my departing shall grievous wolves enter in among you, not sparing the flock. Also of your own selves shall men arise, speaking perverse things, to draw away disciples after them. Therefore watch and remember that by the space of three years I cease not to warn every one night and day with tears. And now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of His grace, which He is able to build you up and to give you inheritance among all them which are sanctified. I have coveted no man's silver or gold or apparel, Yea, ye yourselves know that these hands have ministered unto my necessities and to them that were with me. I have showed you all things, how the so laboring ye ought to support the weak, and to remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he said, It is more blessed to give than to receive. And when he had thus spoken, he kneeled down and prayed with them all. And they all wept sore and fell on Paul's neck and kissed him. Sorrowing most of all for the words which he spake, that they should see his face no more. And they accompanied him unto the ship. May the Lord add his blessing to the reading of these verses here this morning. This morning we want to continue on with that of our study on the subject of the gospel. What is uh, the gospel? And for the past several weeks now, uh, we have looked at several passages which have given us uh, some descriptive phrases uh, with regards to the gospel. 
The first one that we uh, considered was the Gospel of God. The Gospel of God over in Romans chapter 1 and in verse number 1. And as we uh, taught you on that descriptive uh, phrase, we pointed out to you that in that phrase that Paul is identifying to us that of the origin and the source of the Gospel. The Gospel of God. Then last week we preached from the Gospel of Mark. Mark 1, 1, the beginning of the Gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. The beginning. The beginning of the Gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And the phrase that we focused in on was that of the Gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Now, this, of course, uh, speaks of that of the Lord Jesus Christ uh, being the focal point of the Gospel uh, and uh, that of who He is uh, and that of His triumph. As we studied there in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 1, the beginning of the Gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, we pointed out that what Mark, Mark was telling us by those first few words is that he was telling us this is how it all began. And he was speaking with regards to the earthly ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. The beginning of the Gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And then, if you remember, he uh, reached back to Malachi and Isaiah uh, where that Malachi and Isaiah declared that there would be a forerunner that would come that would come uh, heralding the message, the Messiah. The Messiah is coming. The Messiah is coming. Or the Messiah is here. And that's exactly what John the Baptist uh, did uh, as he uh, began out of his ministry. He began declaring, Jesus the Messiah, Jesus the Messiah, the King is here. Now, this morning in the passage which is uh, before us in Acts chapter uh, 20 and in verse number 24 you'll notice as Paul here is writing or speaking he said but none of these things move me neither count I my life dear unto myself so that I might finish my course with joy and the ministry which I received of the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God. Now the phrase that we want to draw your attention to and focus in on this morning is that last part of verse 24 where he writes, to testify of the gospel of the grace of God. The gospel of the grace of God. Paul says, None of these things move me, neither count of my life dear unto me, so that I might finish my course with joy in the ministry which I have received of the Lord to testify or to declare, to make known the gospel of the grace of God. Now, my subject this morning is the gospel of the grace of God. The gospel of the grace of God. Now, as we have taken note of in the past several uh, studies, we've noted that 
these descriptive phrases that they tell us something about the gospel. They tell us something about the gospel. Uh, the gospel of God. Uh, God is the author of the gospel. The source of the gospel is that of God. The gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. The good news of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ being the focus. The gospel of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ being the focus. Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Speaking of that of His divinity. Here in that of the phrase which is before us, we have the gospel of the grace of God. The good news of the grace. The key word here, beloved, is grace. The gospel of the grace of God. What Paul here speaks of is the grace of God and with regards to the gospel. With regards to the gospel. The announcement concerning God's grace. The good news of God's grace. Now, what is grace? What is the message of God's grace? What it, who is the message uh, of God's grace for? What does it mean to me? Why should I concern myself with it? Let's begin by asking the question, what is grace? What is grace? A common definition which is used is unmerited favor. Unmerited favor. Now that's a good definition. There's nothing wrong with it. But there's another definition that I would like to also give to you. And it's this. Grace is the favor of God bestowed upon those who have no right or in any way deserve it. They have no right to this favor, goodwill, kindness. They do not deserve this favor, goodwill, or kindness. The grace which is being spoken of here is God's grace. It is God's grace. The gospel of the grace of God. Now, what does that phrase tell us? Let's think about that of the word grace for a few moments. Grace qualifies that of that of the, the word gospel here, the grace of the gospel, or the gospel of the grace of God. This gospel is a gracious gospel. This gospel is of a God who is gracious. This grace that Paul writes about here is not just any grace. It is God's grace. The source of this grace, this favor, this goodwill, this kindness is God. Now hold on to your seats. We said grace is the favor of God bestowed upon those who have no right or in any way deserve it. What does the word bestow mean? 
The word bestow means to present as a gift, to give or to confer. I'll give you an example. Flowers were bestowed or lavished upon the winner of the beauty pageant. Flowers were bestowed or they were lavished upon that of the winner of the beauty pageant. They were given to her. They were, they, they were, they were placed in that of her arms. Race implies that of a giver. Who is the giver of the grace of God? Who is the giver of the grace of God? Who is the giver of this favor that this grace speaks of? This favor that is undeserving. Who is the giver of it? Who is the source of it and the author of it? Beloved, it is none other than that of God. Now you may say, well, isn't that a silly question? No, it's not. For you see, some in their personal theology would say God is a giver, but when it comes right down to it, God is not the giver, for God is a, is a making of their own imagination that He does what they think He should do. The fact of the matter is, is God is the giver of this grace. And no one, no one, I underline that, no one dictates to God with regards to who He gives it to. Now think about that. Think about yourself now on a human level. You're going to give a gift. Is someone outside of you going to dictate to you who you give that gift to? The grace of God. God is the source of it. He's the author of it. And He is the giver of it. No one, no one has anything to say to the eternal God with regards to Him giving that of His grace. You have to give it to so and so. No, beloved, He's sovereign. He gives as He sees fit. Just like you give as you see fit. Only you see God's much bigger. Now let's go back to that of the understanding of what grace is. It's favor. 
His favor bestowed upon one who is undeserving of it. Now I want to ask you a question. Do you deserve that grace? Do you deserve God's grace? God's favor? Grace implies that of a recipient. And the recipient is one who is undeserving of the favor, the kindness shown. And the gospel of grace, beloved, is the announcement of that message of favor, kindness, goodwill of God being shown to those who have no right or in any way deserve it. The Bible tells us there's none righteous, no, not one. There's none that seeketh after God. All are gone out of the way. All are unprofitable. Our mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Our feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery are in our ways. The way of peace we have not known. There is no fear of God before us. We have all sinned and come short of the glory of God. And the wages of sin is death. That's what the Bible says. Not what I'm telling you. That's what the Bible says. And the Bible says that none of us are deserving of the favor of God. But beloved, we know God to be gracious, don't we? That's what His Word tells us. God is gracious. And it is by grace that we are saved. Paul tells us in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8, 9, and 10, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God. It is a gift of grace, of favor. Not of works. Lest any man should boast. For we are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works. The grace of God, it sent Christ into the world. Paul writes in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9, For ye know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though He was rich, yet for your sakes He became poor, that ye through His poverty might be rich. 2 Corinthians 8, verse 9. Now Paul here is addressing the church of Corinth. You know the grace or the favor of God which is of our Lord Jesus Christ, he says. You have experiential knowledge. Though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that ye through his poverty might be rich. That he, that is Jesus, though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor. Now how did how did that take place? Beloved, Jesus, the Son of God, the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Jesus is the Son of God. And beloved, he had that of a existence prior to this world ever coming into existence prior to you ever being brought into existence he is the eternal son of God 
He left heaven's glory to stoop to come to earth to give His life. To bear that of our sin, that of our shame upon the cross that we might have life. And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld His glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. grace of God is what brings sinners to Jesus Christ. It was grace that sent, beloved, the Lord Jesus into the world. And beloved, it is grace that brings sinners unto the Savior. You say, what do you mean, Brother Steve? What I mean is simply this. That if God didn't work in your life, you never would have come to Jesus. You say, well, where do you find that in the Bible, Brother Steve? Remember what I read to you from Romans chapter 3? Paul in Romans chapter 3, he's given a, that of a full description of that of the world, Jews and Gentiles, as they were broken down uh, uh, as far as the world was concerned in that day. And he said in verse number 11, there is none, there is none, Jew or Gentile, there is none that seeketh after God. So you see, you never would have sought God. You never would have sought the Son of God, the Lord Jesus Christ, had He not sought you first. And beloved, it was grace. When you think about it, were there some that were better than you? Not really. But from a human standpoint, some people think that there are. They classify that of bad sinners as those who do those terrible deeds, murder and 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 you know, commit adultery and, you know, those b terrible acts, we call them. But now, the one over here that doesn't give God glory, that doesn't love Him as they ought to, well, you know, they're not quite as bad as that of those other ones. No, beloved, they're all the same. We're all the same. It was the grace of God which changed the Apostle Paul's life. In Galatians chapter 1, he writes, But when it pleased God who separated me from my mother's womb and called me by His grace to reveal His Son in me that I might preach Him among the heathen immediately I conferred not with flesh and blood. Neither went I after Jerusalem to them which were apostles before me. But I went into Arabia and returned again unto Damascus. Note what Paul writes there in Galatians 1 verses 15 through 17. He says, but when it pleased God. It wasn't when it pleased Paul, beloved. It was when it pleased God. 
who separated me from my mother's womb and called me by His grace. Paul here testifies of the very fact, beloved, it was God who made the difference in his life. It was God who saved Paul. Had he been left on his own, he would have died and gone to hell. Oh, we don't like to hear about hell, do we? We don't hear about hell today. From the pulpits. But the Bible speaks very clearly of it. If any sinner ever un- understands, seeks after God, is brought back into the way, I say to you, it's because the Lord sought them out and brought them. Grace of God is what pardons and makes sinners acceptable to God. Paul writes, being justified freely by His grace through redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Justified. Declared righteous. Sinners are pardoned, beloved. And they are forgiven of their sins. And how are they forgiven? How are they pardoned? By that of the Lord Jesus Christ, that of His sacrifice upon the cross, that of His blood that was shed. That's how they are made righteous. They are made righteous through Him and what He did upon the cross. God is indeed the just and the justifier of sinners. For you see, beloved, God is just. He is holy. And beloved, His law demands that His law be kept. And beloved, it had to be kept and it's kept through the Lord Jesus Christ for everyone who believes upon Him. For He is that of the righteousness. Grace of God leads us to live a new life of obedience. Where grace has been given, there's going to be a change. Sometimes you get preachers who think, well, it's going to be that of a drastic, immediate change. There's going to be a change. It may not be according to that of how that we think or how drastic that we think it ought to be all at once. You think about Lazarus. Lazarus, dead in that of the tomb. And when Jesus cried out, Lazarus, come forth! Did Lazarus come forth with that of new clothes, a new beginning? Out of the tomb? No, I don't think so, beloved. When he came out of that tomb, beloved, he still had, most likely, some of those grave clothes still on him. And beloved, that's the same way with that of a sinner who is saved by grace. He, beloved, still has some of that of the old things still upon him. And yet, beloved, there's life. There's new life. 
And beloved, that new life is going to shine forth. Paul, in writing to Titus, he wrote, For the grace of God that bringeth salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. The grace of God teaches something. What does it teach? It teaches us to deny ungodliness and worldly lust. It teaches us to live soberly, righteous, and godly in this present world. It teaches us to look for the blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Paul wrote, but none of these things move me. That is all that he'd gone through. Now these, these things move me. Neither count I my life dear unto myself, so that I might finish my course with joy and the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God. The word that was out was that Paul would suffer much for the name of Jesus Christ. And Paul says that doesn't bother me. That doesn't bother me. He called me. He saved me. And He gave me the ministry. The ministry of the gospel of the grace of God to testify of it. To proclaim it. I would close this morning by asking you. Do you know this gospel of grace? Has God shown favor to you? You say, well, Steve, how do I know? Has He given you grace? Favor? To realize that you're a lost sinner? And that you need the Lord Jesus as your Savior? And you have trusted in Him for your salvation? If so, we invite you to step out and confess Him publicly as He commands us to and to follow Him in Scripture baptism and become a part of His church where you can serve Him. Child of God, wondrous grace, loving kindness He sought us, wondrous grace. That's what was shown to us. All right, we have a closing hymn on the back of our bulletin. If you want to turn there, the back of the bulletin. Let us stand as we sing, Save by Grace.
down if you leave some closing like that. Our dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we do praise you for this gospel of grace, for uh, your purpose uh, to deal graciously with uh, rebels, with uh, sinners, uh, uh, people who are alien to thee, strangers to thee. Uh, Father, we praise you for this, uh, for our inclusion um, with uh, uh, thy dearly beloved, for our acceptance in him. Father, we uh, pray that you might help us to rejoice in thy salvation, uh, to rejoice in Christ Jesus, uh, to know the joy of thy salvation, and to uh, tell others, to uh, be a witness, uh, to testify of the gospel of your grace. Father, you bless us throughout this coming week. Uh, Lord, leading guidance, direct our path. Pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.